I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, I've got a review of the latest mind bender from Jordan Peele, Us. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I've got a review of what might be the worst movie I've seen in a very, very long time. Plus, this weekend marks the 20th anniversary of my favorite film of all time. But let's begin the show with the beginning of the end of an era. have to carry out his legacy and that means hunting down as many evil sons of bitches as we possibly can carry on my the end is nigh for one of the longest running shows on tv which makes me both sad and happy because it's one of my favorite shows of all time the cw has announced that the 15th season will be the last season for supernatural i think dad wants us to pick up where he left off saving people hunting things the family business it stars Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki as Dean and Sam Winchester. They are hunters, as in they hunt all things supernatural. They hunt ghosts, monsters, demons. They even work with angels. Who are you? Hestia. I'm an angel of the Lord. I've got demon blood in me, Dean. I'm a whole new level of freak. Lilith is trying to break the 66 seals to free Lucifer from hell. And why would an angel rescue me from hell? Because we have work for you. As you heard in that clip, they've also hunted Lucifer, that's right, the devil himself, and they even saved God from annihilation, and in doing so, saved the world again. I just love this show. It is insane, but I love it. Now, the original vision for Supernatural was a five-year run. The fifth season would end with the Winchesters thwarting the apocalypse, and that would be it. I remember reading an issue of Entertainment Weekly where they were interviewed about how they were excited about life beyond Supernatural. Boys didn't want to do the same thing forever. But then the show got renewed for a sixth season. And it got renewed again. And again. And again. The CW has gone on record as saying, those boys can keep doing this show as long as they want. Which is kind of weird, because it's not even close to being a ratings winner in the big picture. Like, in fact, it's one of the lowest rated shows on TV. In the 2017-2018 broadcast season, Supernatural ranked 166th out of 207 shows in the United States, with an average 2.318 million viewers. To be fair, that made it the fourth highest rated show in the CW behind The Flash, Supergirl, and Black Lightning. But still, 2.318 million isn't all that much. However, what Supernatural has, more than any other show on television, is a ridiculously rabid fan base. And Supernatural also, maybe more so than any other show on TV, knows how to make fun of itself and wink at the audience. And in spite of being formulaic and predictable, it's also very creative and is not afraid to do just outlandish stuff. Like, for example, have the brothers enter the world of Scooby-Doo. Thursday, March 29th, the Winchesters get animated. Ah, you're a cartoon! I'm a cartoon! Scooby-Doo. That's the Scooby Gang. Dibs on Daphne. Supernatural. All new Thursday, March 29th on the CW. Carry on now.
That was last March 29th, by the way. Supernatural is the longest-running sci-fi-slash-genre show in the history of American TV. It's got over 300 episodes so far. Pretty cool for the only show left from the WB. Jeff, do you remember the WB? I do remember it. Barely. If you wouldn't have mentioned it, I'd have never thought of it. Yeah, that was the network that spawned the likes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The announcement on Supernatural was made last Friday when Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, and Misha Collins, who plays Castiel, the Angel of the Lord, posted this video online. Hey guys, uh, Jared, Jensen, and Misha here, and we have some big news big that news. we wanted y'all to hear from us. Um, we just told the crew uh, that, uh, that though we're very, very excited about moving into our 15th season, mm-hmm. um, it will be our last. Um, 15 years of a show that has certainly changed my life. I know it's changed these two guys' life. Uh, and and you, we just wanted to wanted you to hear from us yeah. that, um, that though we're excited uh, about next year, um, it, it, will be, uh, it will be the finale. Yeah. The big grand finale of yeah. an institution. Yeah, we've cried some tears and we'll cry some more. Um, but, but we're, we're going to save the emotion for next season. Grateful <laughs> yeah. and we'll we, work all the emotion into next season. We talked about this in advance. We're like, let's not get emotional about it. Let's just try to be cool. And He's and hanging on for dear life, I know. Yeah. We yeah. love you guys Pinch and this family up. is not going anywhere, even though the show will come to an end. I will say this, uh, a little word from Mr. Eric Kripke, the creator of this world and these characters, that uh, in a show about family, it is amazing and it is the pride of his life that it became family. So thank you guys for that. Thank you. So as I mentioned, I am both sad and happy. Sad because more than any other show I watch, this is my must-watch show. When I get home, if Supernatural is on the PVR, it is the first one I watch every time without fail. But I've been wondering now for a few years, like, what else can they do? They fought Lucifer. They have defeated Death, as in the Grim Reaper, Death. They worked with God, but they just keep plugging along, and some seasons have been great, some not so great. That could be because without an end in sight, they just have to keep coming up with random stuff just to keep the wheels spinning, and it doesn't always work. So now they have a finish line, and that makes me happy, because now they can craft a big, strong story to close it out and give this show the send-off it deserves. Like, Jeff, I think I seem to remember you having similar excitement when Lost announced yep. we, got a, we got an end date. Yep, when they know the end is coming and how long they have to get there, they can plan it all out nicely and... Given a chance, most shows will do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, so it makes me happy as well because once it is done, I can start watching from the beginning again. (laughs) So I'm excited to see this show get the send-off that it deserves. And season 15, by the way, will be a touch shorter with 20 episodes. What's the line? Saving people, hunting things, the family business. Don't you cry no now, this this is a show that I have known not to harass you to watch, Jeff, because... It's got creepy stuff uh, in it? Well, it, it, some of the stuff is genuinely scary. There's a, there's an episode from the first season that I remember gave me genuine chills, potentially really? even nightmares. Oosh. Just thinking about it right now kind of makes me, uh, sort of gives me that the willies up my spine. But <laughs> there is some pretty gross stuff in this show, oh, too. Oh, that's the worst part, yeah. yeah there's, there's a surprising amount of blood and gore that they get away with. It's, it's It borders on cartoonish, yeah. but it's still, I think it would be enough to make your stomach oh, turn. Well, at 15 seasons, it would take me... Th- 
seven years to get through it all anyways, even if I was binging it. Yeah, I, and I, when I go back and watch it, I'm kind of wondering, should I watch this every week? So like, should I just, like, when the begin, when the broadcast season oh, begins, yeah, yeah. should I just watch it every week and make it like Supernatural hasn't gone anywhere, but that'll take me, <laughs> like, as you, that'll take me into my was like when late the, 50s. When the Simpsons first started putting out their DVD sets, yeah. and we're trying to do the math, like, oh my God, it's going to take until, you know, it was 2002 at the time. It's like, it's going to take till 2018 for them to catch up to where they are now or something like that. So maybe you could do two episodes a week. Yeah, I don't know. No rerun reeks. I'll probably. I know that as soon as I start, it'll end up just being yeah. this rabbit hole that I fall yep. down where I have to binge it hard. Fifteen seasons of television, though. I don't know how one binges through that. And now, as I think about it, you'll I'm find almost, out. Yeah, I have a feeling that I'm going to end up having to challenge myself to see how quickly I can do it. When you gain thirty pounds and grow a big bushy beard, and your fingernails haven't been cut, and you haven't had a haircut in six weeks, we'll know what you're doing. <laughs> Up next, we're going to tell you what Jeff is doing this week because one of the most popular comedies on television makes its return. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And as we prepare to say goodbye to Supernatural, it is time to say hello once again to one of my favorite shows returning this weekend, HBO's Veep. Leon, I'm still, I'm not sure about this part where I say I want to be president for all Americans. I mean, do I, you know? All of them. How about real Americans? Oh, yeah, that's good. And then we can figure out what I mean later. It's the show's final season. It's seventh. And if the victory lap season wasn't enough, it's also the triumphant return to television for arguably the medium's most talented female comic actor, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The show took a year off last year as she battled breast cancer. Twenty years ago, I would have bet the farm that she would go down in history simply as Elaine from Seinfeld. And don't get me wrong, that's a monumental achievement in itself. But she's done so much more since Seinfeld ended, including six Emmys for Veep. She's literally won for every season it's been on. And to be shocked if she doesn't win for the season seven as well again starts sunday night on hbo you watch veep no i i don't and it's not because i don't want to yeah it's just one of those things where i didn't get in on the ground floor yeah and then i just fell behind and it just became this thing where i knew that once i started i wouldn't stop and uh i have watched clips yeah, yeah. you've sent me clips that right. are hilarious and i think what i was sad about when i as the season went on is i like a good foul comedy that is also intelligent. Yep. And the the obscenity that this show crafts is <laughs> so creative. <laughs> it's poetry. Yeah. So I, I know that eventually one day I will. I have access to... I mean, I have it all through my cable subscription yeah. with the HBO On Demand. It's all there. So one day I'll take the time. The, the good thing with comedies is what they're... They're all 25 minutes. 25 please. to 30 minutes. Yeah. And it's, and it's HBO, so this it's not 25 episodes a season or anything. Either. Yeah. It's probably 10 or 13 or something. Yeah. Uh, another TV note to pass along. If you're a fan of Conan O'Brien, it's been a good week. On the Late Night Host website, which is teamcoco.com, a treasure trove of old material was released this week. Namely, more than 300 pieces, they call them remotes, made over the course of his entire 25 years on the air from the variety of different networks. So good on him for getting NBC, for example, to give him all of the old clips from his old show. It's the pieces they make outside the studio, like when he played old-timey baseball or when he created the boy band 
Dudes Aplenty. <laughs> Did you ever see that? No. That is awesome. Uh, or when he goes to dinner with his weird producer, Jordan. And then there's my favorite, when he visited an apple orchard with Mr. T. Anyway, Mr. T, I think this looks like a, a pretty good tree right here. Do you like it? I agree. Yes, sir. It's a good tree. Now, I think instead of shaking the tree or climbing up into the tree, I think if you just yelled at the tree, the apples might fall down. You want to try that? Hey, Apple, you better fall down. And don't let me have to come up there, Apple. That's good. Oh, that's it's going to be bad if I come up there. I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going to peel you and I'm going to skin you. Then I'm going to eat the carp. I pity the apple that don't fall down. I pity him too. Uh, they're all there at TeamCoco.com. It's, a, it's amazing. Uh, and they'll be adding more stuff from the show to the site in the weeks ahead, all part of his 25th anniversary celebrations. There's actually been a lot of different Conan moves in the past couple of months. He started a very funny new podcast called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's uh, entertaining, long-form interviews with some of his favorite guests. But weirdly, the real thrill is the mid-roll ad reads that he does. Usually in podcasts, they read ads in the middle of the show or whatever, and that's fine. You get through it. It's not the high point. Conan sees in those an opportunity for uh, joking, and he does not disappoint. He's also got a new Netflix series, which isn't really new, at least not yet. They've sort of packaged together the episodes where he'd travel to another country to do a show and put them on Netflix as a travel series, and he is making new episodes for that because he's still got the other show, but it's also undergone this massive overhaul in 2019. It's only half an hour long now, not an hour long. The band is gone. The desk is gone. His suits are gone. It's just a truncated, less formal version of the old show. Like one guest instead of two and no musical guest, right? And uh, a shorter, no second act comedy bit. He just has one comedy bit up front. It's a good move. Most talk shows are not really worth watching a whole hour. Uh, even Letterman. I love Letterman. I rarely watch the whole thing because it would always, I'd end up fast forwarding through a guest I didn't care for turning it off once a musical guest showed up. And I hadn't watched Conan in quite some time. I did always enjoy him and I think he's definitely the funniest of the guys out there right now. So I'm glad to have sort of rekindled that relationship watching Conan and Brent. Conan again, if you, if you thought he was funny and you sort of fell away from it, I'd say check him out again. He's got lots of good stuff going on. Kind of sad to hear about the suit though. Doesn't he always do something funny like doesn't he like he open his do, jacket he and did a little string dance yeah the, oh, the string dance. looked like the string was attached to his hips no you stopped that too. oh okay just changing it up now, i don't know i haven't looked deep into it it everything i've heard him say it seems like he wanted to make this change to a half hour but i sort of wonder if tbs didn't like force that on him yeah that's true so, I don't know. another thing about conan and he he's one of the i think of all the hosts he's the one that's the most divisive people either love him or hate him yes because he's so in your face he's very zany and he's outlandish yeah but i kind of like that outlandishness and i remember remember the writer's strike yep how difficult that was in the talk host one of the funniest things i've ever seen conan do was the wedding ring spin yeah and how they time it right yeah he put his <laughs> wedding ring on the table and he would spin it like a top and the, and the it was so dramatic because they kept cutting to him and the, dr- the director in the back yeah. doing a stopwatch and the, of course he's got the craziest face yeah. so yeah I have to see if I can find clips of that that is uh, that was really funny stuff they, they made the best out of a really awful situation yeah couple of minutes here what's coming to home video this week oh we got well we got a good one, the newest one from my man Clint the mule family's the most important thing don't do what I did I put work in front of family. I thought it was more important to be somebody out there than the damn failure I was in my own home. Now, the mule is a little more entertaining than that clip makes it sound. That clip makes it sound like a very serious drama. It's got some serious stuff in it, but it's uh, it's much more entertaining than it would have you believe. It's not as entertaining as Gran Torino is. A lot of people cite Gran Torino as their favorite sort of late-era 
uh, Clint Eastwood, and, and the mule is sort of like a, it's like a good sequel to Gran Torino. It's a good movie. Um, also out on Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday, Bumblebee. Yes, you like that one. Yes, and Vice, which uh, was up for all those Oscars, of course. And on digital HD, Glass. You didn't like it as much. So disappointed in it. And The Kid Who Would Be King, which I remember making a lot of fun of when we did our uh, preview for it, but it actually, a lot of the people who actually saw it said it was a good movie. 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for The Kid Who yeah. Would Be King. And with Bumblebee, even though you'll be able to, I mean, all these movies that come out on Blu ray DVD, they're also available on demand, so you can just rent them through your cable box, and I can certainly do that. But Bumblebee is a movie that I think I do actually want to go, go out and buy, because that's a movie that I, I can see myself watching more than once. So I don't want to have to rent it every time. Yes. Means I don't have to rent it because I can just borrow it. From that's you. right. You can certainly borrow it. And uh, Glass. Uh, that's the, the 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 end of the trilogy from the, M Night Shyamalan yeah. with uh, Unbreakable. The Unbreakable, and then Split. Split. Split was great. Unbreakable was good, but not great. I thought it was just too long and slow. I own it on DVD, and I've not watched it since I bought the DVD. Yeah, it's well, it's tough. It's a good story. I think it was just too slow. long. Yeah. And with Glass, it was just an utter disappointment. Which was so sad because Split was such a thrilling movie, and then when they they had the Unbreakable tie-in, the possibilities were exciting. That he that Chamelan had found a creative way to tie yeah. this all together, and he blew it. He blew it really hard. Coming up next, Jeff reviews one of the worst movies he's seen in a long time. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. There's a family in our driveway. Can I help you? What are you people? It's us. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and it's time now for a review of Us, the latest movie from Jordan Peele, the man behind 2017's Get Out. Now, when Get Out came out two years ago, it was exciting. Yep. It was fresh. It was original, unique, nothing we'd ever seen before. It even got Jeff Braun to go see a scary movie. In the theater. Yeah. Yeah, in the pitch black with strangers. Ugh. It was That's a, a rare thing. <laughs> it was a sign that there are still new ideas out there. And if we just give people the opportunity to express these ideas, we just might like them. Also, Get Out worked so well because on the surface, it was a great popcorn thriller that told a great story. But under that surface, it was so much more in terms of its symbolism, its commentary on race relations. But if you don't care about that stuff, the movie still works amazingly well. You can just watch it and enjoy it. Us, I would argue, does not work quite as well. Now, I should point out, first of all, it made $71 million for its opening weekend. Beating expectations, it was pegged in the $65 million, and it's at 95% on RottenTomatoes.com. Things I liked about Us. Amazing dual performance from Lupita Nyong'o. Just chilling. Like, if she is not in the discussion for... Oscars this year because of this performance, I will be shocked because it was so good. Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale and uh, Mad Men. Men. She has a small supporting role, but she just nails it. She is excellent. She brings so much into really what's not, I don't want to say a nothing character, but in the hands of a different actor, I think the character would have meant a lot less to this film. Tons of dread. Super suspenseful, super thrilling, beautiful visuals, like great camera work in this. Like there's a lot to like in this movie and great scary music you just heard the music in the background that's a classic hip-hop hit from the 1990s i got five on it and they turned it into a scary theme song 
so effective, especially when they when it finally pops up in the movie. It was brilliant. It was genius. But there was a lot that I did not like about this movie. For one, it leaves many questions almost forces you to go home and do some reading about it. That's not a, necessarily a bad thing. Like, I often do that. I'll, I like when a movie is thought-provoking, and I enjoy going home and reading up on the movie that I've just watched. Like, there's a movie called Enemy. I think it's called Enemy, like, and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Or Yeelenhaal, as Conan O'Brien would say. <laughs> I know you don't you don't like the, the Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm mixed on Jake Gyllenhaal at best. Yeah, but Zodiac, Brokeback... Good Jake Gyllenhaal. Other Jake Jake Gyllenhaal, not so much. Well, this movie, Enemy, is good Jake Gyllenhaal, but it had this weird ending, which I actually think kind of ruined it. But overall, it was amazing. So I read up a lot on that. But with this one, I, I went home and I did some reading, and I just found myself not caring. Like, I think the movie was just... It was just too much, and I, I wonder, for the average moviegoer, because that's the headspace I always try to put myself in, because I don't try to pretend I'm as smart as all the movie critics out there. I'm just a schmuck who likes to go yeah. to the movies a bit more than the average person, but the average moviegoer, I think, I wonder, will the experience be satisfying? And I'm not so sure. Like, my girlfriend when it was finished, said, I hated that movie. I hated it. And I'm not saying it was... I'm not saying it was bad, because there is a lot going on, and I think Jordan Peele is a genius, and I like what he has to say about the world and how he does it through his art. I just think if you're looking for a solid, straight-up thriller, this one might be a little too heavy. I would also point out, though, I asked about it on Facebook. I got three immediate responses saying it was amazing, it was genius, it was brilliant. So it might be the kind of movie that needs to be watched again, or like I said, I need to watch some videos on YouTube or read some more articles. I'm just not sure that I care enough to watch it again, because as well, I think it just kind of dragged on too long. I think a good sort of thriller needs to be under an hour 45, and this one pushes two hours. So there's there's a a threshold, and I think this one went over the threshold, and it just kind of dragged itself out. So I'm going to give us three couch cushions out of five. I'm not saying don't go see it. I'm just saying if you go see it, be prepared to put your thinking cap on and scratch your head afterward and maybe invest some time into yeah. digesting what you've just seen. But it's not too gory for me? Not at all. It, it, there there are some genuinely scary parts yep. uh, from a suspense standpoint, and there is some violence, yeah. but there is no stomach-turning violence. And I was actually surprised at how little violence they showed. Like There were opportunities where they could show people dying horrible deaths but they didn't so that's like in get out when he stomps that one guy they they show him you can see him from a distance stomping something but you they don't the guy's head that he's stomping is hidden behind the wall or whatever yeah. so. so you do you do see people get killed but it's just right. not nearly as bad as it could have been so cool there you go all right well here's something that's even worse that wasn't bad but this is definitely worse good trailer bad movie time to talk about the dirt we got to run away Kid drummer. An old man. Let's just play it. A cover band singer. They say you're gonna be a rock star. What do you think? Holy 
The Dirt is the biopic about Motley Crue, based on their book of the same name, released in 2001. The band's also listed as producers for the film, so they are to blame for what turned out to be a giant turd of a movie, Brett. It's laughably bad in places, and just plain bad, bad in others. Here are some of the problems. For a movie about a group of musicians, there's very little mention of the actual music. It's not completely absent, but it's definitely on the back burner, and it's the reason I tuned in to begin with. That's maybe more my problem than the film's problem, but I don't think it's too much to ask that if a movie is about the life and times of a rock and roll band, that we get some insight into how they write and record their songs or how they play live. Live performance is mostly shown in a montage, probably to cover up problem two, which is these guys can't act. Well, half of them anyways. The guys that play Nikki Six and Mick Mars are okay. The guys that play Vince Neil and Tommy Lee are astoundingly bad. The movie looks cheap. It's that Netflix thing, I guess, where it looks like they only went for it at 80%. And there's no real coherent shape to this film. It jumps between different styles, like it can, can't make up its mind. The only really good section is when they do this 24-hour period covering a day in the life of Tommy Lee on the road. That's a funny segment. It sort of drives home how hard they partied. And that's what the movie is almost exclusively about. The sex and the drugs, not the rock and roll. It's filthier than you can possibly imagine. I could give you examples and I would not be able to you still wouldn't know how filthy it is. I was expecting it to be foul-mouthed, but they take it so much further. I can't get into it, obviously, on the radio, but wow. And I heard from actually a couple of people who turned it off after 30 seconds because it was just that dirty. But hey, it's baked right there in the title, isn't it, folks? So yeah, trashy movie for a trashy band. It is too bad. I think with a bigger budget, better actors, and a little more focus on the music, could have been a good movie. Uh, I can't recommend it as a good movie to watch, and unless you're a Motley Crue fan, why would you even want to? I would recommend checking it out as a bad movie and a filthy bad movie if you're interested, just so you know what we're talking about. Watch 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. It's on Netflix, so it doesn't cost you anything. I also would mention that I read Slash, the guitar player from GNR. I read his book this week, and there's some crossover with the crew. They toured together. Slash was in the room when Nikki Six almost died from his heroin overdose. A weird one-two punch for me on that front. It was just coincidental. Also, I would have to say I've had my fill of drug stories for a very, very, very long time that all of these people are still alive is nothing short of miraculous. One and a half Couch Cushions out of five for the dirt. I am curious to watch this. I went into the weekend having no interest yeah. in seeing it, and not because I was anti the dirt. I've just, I, I or anti Molly Crew. Yeah. I like Molly Crew just fine, but I'm not a huge fan right. like you are. And I hadn't read the book. You've read the book and you liked it. Mm hmm. But I am now curious based on that review, and I've a couple of my friends watched it and they actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but everyone has said the same thing that it is filthy. That for they just they, I think you said it on Monday morning. Just watch the first scene. Yeah. And I, I sat at my computer at work, watched the first scene on my phone, and I thought, well, that's, oh, you did watch it. Yeah. I sat there and I was surprised to see what. Uh, yep. Let's say what was uh, shooting out onto yep. my screen, but uh, was it as filthy as the book? That story's in the book, and there's other stories. And the thing with Ozzy Osbourne, I forgot the second part of that story. I remember the part where he snorts up a line of ants on the sidewalk like he's snorting up cocaine. Okay. And then the second half of that story will it will just turn your stomach. Yeah. I'll tell you once we go to break. But was, <laughs> the, was the movie overall as filthy as the book? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just that. Yeah. It, but it's just their stories, their dirty stories from the road, and it's not about how they like made any of their music or anything like that it's just it's weird okay. and the i don't want to pull take apart a child actor but there's a little girl actor in this movie and it's it's almost sinful 
that they cast her and what she has to do. And and it's a sad story with this kid and stuff, so I can't really get into it. But it's just like I, I couldn't tell I couldn't tell if I want to laugh or cry because of that kid. Up next, it's been 20 years Ooh. since my favorite film has been released. I'll tell you about that next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Brun, we are the Couch Potatoes. I have to give you some thanks, Jeff. Oh. You're the one who pointed this out to me. Yep. This weekend marks the 20th anniversary of my favorite movie of all time. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? The Matrix! It debuted March 31st, 1999. And what's funny about it becoming my favorite movie ever is when I first saw the trailer and I remember sitting in the movie theater and it popped (laughs) up, I thought, that looks dumb. (laughs) Well, because you had no idea what to expect, really. Yeah. Yeah. No no one had heard of it. And then there's this movie where all these guns come flying into the screen. And I thought, that looks stupid. Well... It's well-liked by critics with an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a decent opening weekend of $27 million, but word of mouth helped propel it to $171 million for the year in North America, making it the fifth biggest movie of the year. It played in theaters until September. Holy smokes. And it did so well That's because it was... Yeah! It, it, because it was a visionary film that had everyone saying... Keanu Reeves plays Neo, a man who realizes he is not living in the real world, that his world is a lie, and in fact, he's living inside a computer simulation, along with the rest of humanity, because the machines defeated us in a war and were screwed. It had groundbreaking visual effects with its bullet time stuff. It won four Academy Awards, visual effects, editing, sound, and sound effects editing. And I remember remember that it had been out for about a month or so, and uh, my girlfriend at the time had seen it, and she said, just come see it with me. You'll like it. And she was right. I was hooked. Funny story about the second time I saw it. It was a Saturday night. I was supposed to go out with my buddy Steve. He showed up at my place to pick me up, but I was still like 8 p.m. too hungover to go out because we'd gone out the night before and tied one on hard. So, my hang- uh, so I sent him home. My hangover subsides at about 10.30 p.m. Just so happened there was an 11.30 showing of The Matrix. They were showing movies like 11.30 and 12 o'clock at night. So I went by myself. Don't you miss being 20 years old when you can do stuff like that? I could still do stuff like that, but I would I would be a bit Except more Except the tired. hangover would last three more days. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, more, <laughs> I'm a bit smarter now with my consumption. I've since watched the film like probably 20 times on DVD and Blu-ray. Although I haven't watched it in a few years. I was going to recently, but I'm glad I didn't because it's one of the featured films in Cineplex's Flashback Film series. They switched it this year. Normally they do the Flashback Film Fest over a two-week period where they show a whole bunch of old movies. This year instead they're showing one movie a handful of times over the course of two weeks. And we are currently in the two-week run of The Matrix, which they've timed to match up with the anniversary. Just make sure you check your listings because it's not playing every day but i will be going to see it on april 5th and i cannot wait and who knows maybe i'll even go home and watch the sequels you are the eventuality of an anomaly which despite my sincerest efforts i have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision yeah that's right i like the sequels too i know that most people don't 
uh, because you know I didn't lose too much. That highway chase in the second one is maybe um could be the best thing in that whole series. Yeah, the action in the sequels was tremendous. The sequels were too pretentious and yeah. convoluted, but. I think that's one of the reasons why the first movie worked so well, and that's why it was so special. It had this wonderful Hong Kong-style action, cool costumes, great visual effects, but then this dark sci-fi story about the enslavement of humanity and never-before-seen visual techniques. It was this insane blend of styles and storytelling, and it just worked. The sequels got way too heavy. The Wachowskis went nuts on the symbolism and philosophy stuff, and they had the Animatrix, and there was a video game. They just tried to create this whole Matrix universe, and it got way out of hand. But in spite of those sequels, the original is still my favorite movie, and I look forward to seeing it once more on the big screen. I know Kung Fu. Show me. I just watched this again, actually. It's on Netflix, too. I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The first one. And, yeah, it still holds up. There's a little bit of the... Well, maybe it's it's just because I knew where it was going, or I knew, like you mentioned, how philosophy heavy the sequels were that sometimes when morpheus was like well what if i told you that your dream was really beer and i was just like get on with it get to the punching and the kicking and stuff (laughs) punching and the kicking (laughs) yeah the bullet time effect too and i i think specifically the one in the subway station that's the one spot that really stands out for me as one that doesn't quite work yeah where i think the technology didn't quite match what they were trying to do. But for the most part, the visuals are still pretty seamless. Yeah. And uh, it's a great story. So, yeah, I'm excited to and see it again. so well cast because, you know, as much as I just joked about him right there, having Lawrence Fishburne as that guy. He's a guy that can say stuff like that and it doesn't sound completely ridiculous. Well, he's got that big booming, he's got that deep vase that has such a commanding presence and he just looks cool in this Yeah, movie. he looks cool and he looks like serious, like as a... That's his, like, base setting is serious like that. And Keanu Reeves, like, it's the role he was born to play kind of thing. John Wick is as well. And when you get an actor like that in just the right role, magical things can happen. Just want to quickly mention as well, before we get out here, The Walking Dead wraps up its ninth season this weekend. And this is a show that I had almost given up on, especially when the season eight, when the, sorry, the first half of the season ended. They had this great twist, which turned out to be a different kind of twist in that made me mad i won't get into it but it turns out the twist has worked out okay because it's presented this brand new antagonist and the last couple of episodes are among the best in the series really darkest in the series Hmm. and this is a show that's found itself reinvigorated so if you're still on board with the walking dead uh, you know that the finale is this weekend and if you're not if you once were and you, you weren't check it out it is awesome and by the way into the badlands is back on amc for its final season i'm brad he's jeff we are the couch potatoes april movie preview next week remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother